Amen. Thank you, Jesus. No kids' church today, I take it? No kids' church today. You get to stay with 100%. Amen. Amen. We're going to give tithes 24-7, 100%. (laughs) Amen. Grace, come on down. Thank you, Jesus. God is good, amen. 24 7, 100%. <laughs> All the time. Thank you, Lord. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for this day. Lord, I, I just have a few announcements. <sighs> Prayer meeting, Wednesday, 7 o'clock. And I, I request everybody to pray today for my team, the Texans, that they beat the Chiefs. Amen. Boy, there was something else I was thinking of, and I can't remember it now. And I'm trying to remember. Did we have a birthday or anything coming up? No? I don't think so either. I don't think so. All right. I just don't want to miss anybody. I like your jacket, Mom. Me too. <laughs> All right. We're going to pray for the tithes and offerings. Amen? Here they come already. Look at that. We didn't even ask for them. Praise the Lord. Good job, Ollie. Oh. Father, we thank you and we praise you, Lord God, for this day. We thank you for the tithes and offerings that you're bringing into your house. We pray, Lord God, that you would bless our offerings, Lord God. And we know you do, Lord God. We know you bless the givings of our heart, Lord God. And we just pray that, Lord God, that each one of us would get to the point where we just give it all to you in our lives. That we would surrender everything to you because it's all yours, Lord Jesus. Lord, the maker of the heavens and the earth, Lord God. And I just praise you and I thank you, Lord God, for being here today. I pray your blessings upon them. And I ask you, Lord God, that you would be with us today. That you would, Lord God, give us an inspired word, a word, Lord God, from your Holy Spirit, Lord God, to your people. And I just pray that you would bless them in Jesus' name. Amen? Go ahead, Grace. 24-7, Amen. Amen. That's a tough mile to live up to. 100%. With God, all things are possible. What's the scripture? 16. Oh, I gotta put my glasses on. Amen. We are living in exciting times. like this. Chapter 2. 
chapter 2, verse 28 through 32. It says that in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men. I'm not there yet. I must be reading out of the Acts one. No. My version says your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servant, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Wonders. I will show wonders. I will show wonders. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. And bills of smoke. Turn to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I'm going to get a new mic. Good shape now. Hopefully. Thank you, Lord. God spoke this through the prophet Joel. Peter used these scriptures of the prophet Joel in Acts chapter 2, verses 17 through 21. After the Holy Spirit fell upon them in the upper room, and he went out, and they all thought they were drunk. And he says, no, don't you know the scriptures? This is what the prophet Joel is prophesying about. But I'm telling you, it's even more than that. Because some of those events need to be taking place that haven't taken place yet. There are more for the end times prophecy. And there have been many, many more prophecies in the Bible about the end times revival. That have been given to many of God's prophets. Here, here, who here believes that there's going to be a revival in the end days? Raise your hand. Amen. We're all in agreement. When you look in the world today, how can you see a revival coming when there's so much division around us? Amen? But there's a revival coming. God prophesied it, He spoke it through His prophets. It's coming, it's going to happen. If God said it, you can bet on it. You can count on it. And Jeremiah was given a word of this end time revival. In the book of Jeremiah, verse 32 through 30, or 
chapter 32, verse 37, he says, it's 37 and then some, Joe. I'm sorry, I didn't get all of it there. He said, I will surely gather them from all the lands where I have banished them. In my furious anger and great wrath, I will bring them back to this place and let them live in safety. Now he's talking about the Jews. He's banished them from all over. He sent them out. And God's been bringing them back, hasn't he? To Israel, to Jerusalem. They've been going back ever since 1948. When the prophetic time clock kicked into high gear. He said, I will surely gather them from all the lands where I have banished them. Well, do you know that in 1492, who sailed the ocean blue for all you high school kids out there and elementary kids? You should know this. Christopher Columbus. Very good. But what else happened in 1492? The expulsion of the Jews from Europe. They were kicked out. Can you imagine a whole nation kicked out of another nation? Kicked right out. Banished. You can say they were banished from Europe. And now there's, we live in an area where there's a lot of Jewish people in, in upstate New York. We have a huge Jewish heritage and community around us. Binghamton. He said, I've, I've banished them in my furious anger and great wrath. Then he said, I will bring them back to this place and let them live in safety. They will be my people and I will be their God. I will give them singleness of heart and action. So that they will always fear me for they own for their own good and the good of their children after them. You know, I'm reading a great book called Chase the Lion. And one of the one of the things he has in there in this book is he talks about seeds and dreams and dreams within dreams. And people live in dreams of other people's dreams. And he talks about um, Arthur Guinness. You know who Arthur Guinness is? You know what Guinness beer is? (laughs) No, it's not the Guinness Book of World Records. But Arthur Guinness. Guinness beer has been around for 275 years for all you beer drinkers out there. (laughs) And this is just, just, I didn't know this. It was in the book. I was reading it in the book. And there was a plot of land that he was about to lease. And Guinness was a smart man. And he had a little upward of a place where he was going to build his factory, his brewery. And he knew, he got word that they were going to put in a shipping lane by it. So what did Guinness say when he went out there and he leased it? He was a great negotiator. Because he leased this plot of land 
I think they said for 45 pounds a year or something like that. And they put the shipping lane right in back. And guess how long, how long is a normal lease for? A couple years. In the agreement that Arthur Guinness set up, that he leased the land for 9,000 years. 9,000 years! Now what was he thinking? He was thinking of the future. Right? He was thinking of their, his children's children and children and children, way down the line. And that's how he set it up. And that's what this is. He says, they will be my people and I will be their God. I will give them singleness of heart and action so that they will always fear me for their own good and the good of their children after them. Do you remember when I told you about the story of the Israelites when they come up to face Jericho and they had to cross the Jordan River and they sent leaders of the, each 12 tribe to go in and get a stone out of the River Jordan and they set up a monument and it says we're doing this in remembrance of what God has done so that we won't forget so that we can tell our children and our children can tell their children as a memorial, as a monument so we don't forget we can't forget what God has done and we can't forget what God is saying about this end time revival. It's coming. And it's each day it gets closer and closer of being here. And there is revival going around throughout the whole world. We just don't see it here in America. I'll tell you another story of a guy named George Wood. George Wood got saved in a little he got saved in a little bitty, not even in church. I think it was a guy who was preaching outside of the church. And he was, and then they got a little building. And George Wood went on to be a missionary over into China. Well, George Wood got kicked out. They got kicked out of the churches in China like in 1941. And the church went underground. And in 1984, some guy who was a, let's say, who got saved under George Wood's ministry, way back then, he was 96 years old. In 1984, when he started up the church again. When the church arose, out in 2004, when it came up from underground, guess how many congregants they had. They went from 30 in 84 to 2004 in 20 years. Over 15,000 congregates emerged from the church underground. All because of a man that planted the seed way back. And you know, ever since then, he has something to do the guy who started this little church had something to do with the Assemblies of God. And now the Assemblies of God has grown on to be one of the biggest growing Christian 
communities, congregates. The, one of the fastest growing denominations. Thanks, hon. One of the fastest growing denominations in the last past century. Now they're up to millions, tens of millions. All that because of a seed that was planted and that was watered and that was prayed for. God says, I will make an everlasting covenant with them. I will never stop doing good to them, and I will inspire them to fear me, so they will never turn away from me. I will rejoice in doing them good, and will assuredly plant them in this land with all my heart and soul. Now, if when God says, when I hear words like that, like they will be in singleness of heart and of action, and I will plant them in a land with all of my heart and all of my soul, you can almost guarantee that God's going to do it. That it's going to come to pass. It's going to happen. The prophet Zephaniah said something very similar to what Jeremiah said. In Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 9 through 10, he says, Then... Will I purify the lips of thy people, that all of them may call on the name of the Lord and serve him shoulder to shoulder. From beyond the rivers of Cush, my worshipers, my scattered people will bring me offerings. I don't know about you, but I feel... That we're closer and closer to this. As we see the days go by. And as we know that the end is drawing nearer. I mean everybody you talk to knows that something's up. That something's coming. Whether they're Christians or not. They they can sense it in their spirit. But yet I still think that we have so far to go. We're so far off. From working shoulder to shoulder. Because there's so much division among us. There's so much division among the churches. That it's hard to see them working shoulder to shoulder. As Zephaniah prophesied. Or even being single minded. Singleness of heart. As Jeremiah prophesied. But you know, I believe that day will come when all that will come to pass because the Bible tells us it's going to happen. One day that's going to happen. You know, that day could have been last week. If you think about it, that day can still be today, this very moment while we're here in church. We don't know, but when I think of working shoulder to shoulder with somebody or being in singleness of heart with them and in action, working together. I think of what is going to bring us together so we can do that.
Then I think about, well, you know what could bring us together? What brought the nation together in unity not too long ago, in 2001? When the Twin Towers were hit. That brought us together, didn't it? For just a little bit of time. Think about it. For just a moment in time, the whole nation of America was brought together. For just a short period. I bet you we weren't together more than, a, more than six months. And then everybody started leaving the churches and going back to their daily lives. Except those that were directly impacted. Those that lost family members. Those that lives that were given to help others. I bet you they don't forget what happened that day. And many of us Americans won't forget what happened that day. But we still have drawn apart from each other. We've gone apart from each other again. Well, last week we could have been at war. Easily. We could have been in the next world war. With multiple nations. And for all you young kids out there, that scares me. Because I don't know about you, I never lived through it, but I know my dad lived through it, and that was the draft. And for you young men out there that are of draft age, when there's a World War III, you know, your name could be called or drawn. It's like putting a pool like a lottery. And then they twirl it around and they draw names. I don't know exactly how they do it. But any kind of thing like that, war can bring us together. War can bring us together as a nation on our knees. Any major catastrophe can bring us together on our knees. That's what God used in the Bible. He used other nations against other nations to bring Israel on their knees to repentance. He used the Babylonians, didn't he? When he took off, when he took Israel out. Well, let's say that a large meteor. That turns water bitters. And let's say something like a star falls to the earth. You know what's funny? When I think of this, I think of my grandson Ephraim. When he has his little pad out and his planets and he's colliding planets. He's like, look at Grandpa, I can make Jupiter hit earth or the moon. And he's doing all these little simulator, you know, simulations. But you know what? It actually is going to happen. The Bible prophesies about it. In Revelation chapter 8, verses 8 through 10. It's actually called Wormwood. 
It says that the second angel sounded his trumpet and something like a huge mountain all ablaze was thrown into the sea. A third of the sea turned into blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died. And a third of the ships were destroyed. That sounds like a meteor, doesn't it? Hitting the earth. A big one. Doesn't it? You know, there's conspiracy theories out there. Of this happening in 2029. That NASA is tracking a huge meteor. And they've already named it. And I can't think of the name. But the Bible says that's going to happen. Then he said the third angel sounded his trumpet. And a great star blazing like a torch fell from the sky on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters turned bitter, and many people died from the waters they had be- that had become bitter. Pretty scary stuff, isn't it? But we're living in the greatest times and yet the scariest times. You know, scientists say that we would see this event happening. That you would see this asteroid or this star drawing closer and closer as it gets closer to Earth. They're saying that you would see it for years before it actually hit or came. Because it will be so big. You're not going to miss it. I remember when they were saying, what was that one planet X, Nibiru? Remember Planet X they were talking about, Nibiru, that it was going to hit a few years ago? And I kept telling my wife, it's not true, it's not true. It's not going to hit, because if it's going to hit, we would see it coming, like the moon. Like the moon is thousands and thousands of miles away from the earth, right? But yet you see it, and it's big. If something that big is coming, you're going to see it coming for years before. It's going to take years for it to actually hit. You're going to see it getting bigger and bigger in the night sky. As it comes closer and closer. You're going to see it in the daylight as it gets closer and closer. You're going to see this thing coming. They say that there's going to be no chance... Actually, they say to pass out Bibles and pray. To have the people pray and pass out Bibles. But don't you think when you see that thing coming, and you got all this time on earth, and you're waiting, just waiting, but don't you just think that that is going to bring about some of the greatest revival this world has ever seen? Don't you think that people will be on their knees praying? They have talked about that a little bit on a 
show I watched called Skywatch. They said, don't you think that God might use that to bring about the greatest revival? We're going to have time to pray. People are going to have time to repent, to get on their knees and pray. And I tell you, when you see something like that coming and how scary it is, we'll all be praying. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe our prayers will move the hand of God and move that meteor or whatever catastrophe that is coming. You don't know. God knows. Who knows? Maybe just before then, God will rapture the church. At that point, before impact, that we'll be caught up with them in this cloud. That's what the Bible prophesies. We don't know. All I know is there's catastrophe coming. But before all that catastrophe, there's got to be a worldwide revival. And all I know is that the Bible prophesies it. Jeremiah prophesied it. Zephaniah prophesied it. Joel prophesied it. Peter repeated it in Acts. It's been prophesied. And it's going to happen. My job is to make sure we're ready. That we're not afraid. That we have nothing to fear. God's got us covered. Amen? Amen. That's my job. My job is that everyone here is ready. That everyone here knows the Lord and loves the Lord. That everybody here knows the Lord's voice when he calls. And can hear it. That we don't have to be afraid of what's coming. Because if God is for us, who could be against us? And God's word says that he'll take us up. We'll be caught up with him in the clouds. Before all this takes place. And what we have to do is believe the word. And stand. Even in the midst of our greatest fears. And that will be a fearful and trembling day. When wormwood falls to the ground and then the star falls. Sounds like two meteors to me. Coming. I can see people on their knees praying. Churches would be full. As a matter of fact, I want to read you a prophecy from Smith Wigglesworth that I just opened right up to. It was the catalyst of my sermon today. And I'm going to close with this. This was given by Smith Wigglesworth. There is a revival coming that at present... The world knows nothing about. It says it will come through the churches. So where do you want to be? In the church. Amen? Amen. So this revival is going to come through the churches. So you want to be in church when this revival comes. It will come in a fresh way. When you see what God does in this revival 
you will then have to admit that all you have seen previously is a mere nothing in comparison with what is to come. Think about all the revivals that have already been passed, that have come and gone. This revival that is coming is going to surpass all of them. You're going to think of all the other revivals as if that was even nothing to what God is doing presently. And what God is going to do upon His church, upon His people. Can you imagine your young men prophesying, your old men seeing dreams and visions, your daughters walking around prophesying and praising God and worshiping? Can you imagine what the worship is going to be like in this revival? Well, people are going to be going over to Jerusalem to worship God. I'm going to tell them what, when you see a big giant meteor called Wormwood coming, yeah, you're going to be worshiping all right and praying. It said it will eclipse anything. That has ever been known in history. Can you imagine how great that is? I mean, think of creation. And you say you get, what, 70,000, 60,000 people at creation? And that's a lot of people? Think of creation and multiply that. I don't know, by a million times? Can you imagine 70 million or a billion, one billion people praising and worshiping God? I mean, probably enough people have filled all of New York City in some or more. You could fill the whole state. Can you imagine the worship and the praising that's going to go on? It said this. This revival coming is going to eclipse anything that's ever been known in history. It said empty churches. And isn't that what we're seeing today? Churches being emptied by the great falling away? Because they're being deceived? Empty churches said will be packed again with worshipers. It says buildings will not be able to accommodate the multitudes. Then you will see fields of people. You know what? This is a dream that my father-in-law, I'm sure he had, because this is a dream that I've got. When he started celebration services here, to see fields of people worshiping God. And being saved. And I can't shake that because that's in this place. That's the spirit of this place. Salvation, worshiping. People worshiping and salvation being taken place. Coming to repentance and coming to know God. And seeking the heart of God. That's a seed that's planted right here on this ground in this very church. Right behind this very pulpit. That my father-in-law preached on years ago. That my brother-in-law, who's passed and gone now, built. It 
that I have the privilege to stand behind. And I'm honored. But that's the seed. That's the dream. And believe it or not, we're living that dream. That seed is in each one of you. That seed is in each one of you. Fields of people worshiping and praising together. Wouldn't it be glorious to just look out there one day and see this whole place filled with people? Worshiping and praising God and giving glory to God. Not just our church, it's bigger than our church. You know the book I'm reading, Lion Chasers. He goes, you need to have a dream that's bigger than you. You need to have a God-sized dream. That you know you can't accomplish it without the help of God. That it will not happen. One of my God-sized dreams is to see this place full of people being saved. And worshiping God. And being baptized in the ponds. Can you imagine baptism lines in both ponds going at the same time? Wouldn't that be awesome? You know, you got people lined up at the pool. You got people at the ponds. And you got pastors out there just baptizing all day long. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands as they're being saved. And they're being brought into the kingdom of God. Amen? The Lord, he says here, the Lord intends to use you in this revival. For you have been in Jerusalem long enough. Think about that. What is your Jerusalem? You know what Israel and Jerusalem was to Israel? It was their safety net. And God's saying it's time to get out of your safety net. You've been there long enough. Now get out and do something. (laughs) The Lord will send you to the uttermost parts of the earth. If you are faithful and humble, the Lord will use you, and if you remain faithful and humble, you will see the greatest events in church history. Isn't that awesome? If you are faithful and humble, you will see the greatest events in church history. Church, that's where we are. We're so close to seeing the greatest events take place In the history of the church. I believe each one of us is going to see it. And going to be a part of it. Just like Smith Wigglesworth prophesied. He said, I've had... You know, Smith Wigglesworth was a great man. But here he's talking to this man. He said, brother... Remarked to Smith Wigglesworth... One is tempted to envy you when you have had so much greatness. This guy is talking to Smith Wigglesworth. And he said to the young man, he said, it is the other way around. I feel like envying you. I have had three visions in my life. Three only.
The first two have already come to pass, but the third is yet to be fulfilled. I will most likely pass it on. I will most likely pass on to my reward. But you are a young man and will most likely be in what I saw. He burst out, oh, it was amazing. He said, I cannot tell God's secrets. But you remember what I say this. Revival we have had is nothing to what God is going to do. The revival that they have had, which was the charismatic movement, which was a huge revival, went on for decades. Went on for decades. The revival they have had is nothing of yet what God is going to do. And Smith Wigglesworth was a man who raised people from the dead. They brought people out on the streets just like they did to Jesus. And he laid hands on them and he prayed for them and they were healed. It was documented that three people he raised from the dead. And one was three days old at a funeral. Can you imagine being in a funeral? Walking over to the casket. After the whole family's there mourning and weeping, you know. After the body's already been prepared and is laying there. And Smith Wigglesworth pulling the body out of the casket. And throwing it up against the wall and saying, live. In Jesus' name I say, live. Can you imagine that? No. He did that three times. The first two times the body fell to the ground. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine seeing that? In Jesus' name I command life into you. And then the body falls. Picks the body up again. In Jesus' name I command life into you. And the body falls. On the third time, in Jesus' name I command life into you. And life came into that man. That's amazing. Crazy. I bet their mourning turned to joy. Sometimes I think maybe that's what God wants me to do. I think of that a lot when I go to a funeral. I think of doing that. I do think of doing it. And then I can see myself being ushered out by the police. But at least I've tried. I think of it. I want that kind of faith. I want to live that way. An extraordinary man. Do you know what, though? It's so crazy. That's what God intended for us, how to live the whole time. That's how Jesus wants us to live. Extraordinary, supernatural. Because we're not normal. We have God in us. And we should live in the supernatural, and that should be our normal. But we live by the flesh. 
what our carnal mind thinks. And we're so accustomed to it. And it's so hard when you've been raised that way and thinking carnal and thinking fleshly things. That it's hard to get your mind on the supernatural because you can't see it. And that's when we got to live by faith. And we got to have trust. And that's when we just got to know our Savior. And we got to know who He is and who we are. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I don't know, church, but we got to get excited. We got a lot of things coming. A lot of great things coming that we're going to see. God says we're going to see wonders in the heavens and on the earth. There's going to be all kinds of things happening on the earth. There is already things happening on the earth. There's quaking. There's shaking. Australia's on fire. Bad. I thought of that today when I was doing this. We need to pray for Australia. Lord, help us all. In Jesus' name. Father, I'm going to close with prayer. Ready? Let's all stand up. We don't have anything to be afraid of. Fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Amen? So the only thing you should be afraid of. Thank you, Jesus. Let's raise our hands. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace on all sides. And Lord, I pray that each one of us here would be ready for that great day, Lord God. For the days to come, that you would prepare our hearts, Lord God. That you'd fill this place to overflowing. That Lord God, not just this place here, but all the land that you see outside around us. That, Lord God, your people would be here gathering here, worshiping and praising you and giving you glory and honor. I pray that in Jesus' name. Lord God, I pray that we live, each one of us lives the dream of the seed that's been planted here on this place. Lord God. And that, Lord, we would water that seed with your word and we would grow it in Jesus' name. And I just pray all these things and I give you all the praise and honor for today and for your people here. In your name I pray, amen? Amen. Amen.